a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, there are millions of job openings around the country, and yet one group is having a really hard time finding a job. If we look past the headlines, could it possibly be that criminal justice reform and the job market could answer each other's problems? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So there are some challenges out there in the job market. There are millions of jobs opening. And yet there is one group that's having a really hard time finding work, formerly incarcerated individuals. And so we're going to dive into criminal justice reform. We've talked about that a lot on this program and how vital it is helping us do that. Chris Bates, who's a legal fellow at the Orange G. Hatch Center, also visiting scholar at Southern Virginia University, joins us to help us break it all down. Uh, Christopher, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for inviting me uh, to chat. Uh, So let's let's dive into this. Uh, In terms of this interesting combination, we know there are lots of jobs available out there, and we know that uh, for the formerly incarcerated, that can be a really tough thing. What do we need to do in all of this criminal justice reform uh, to make that process a little easier and a little better? Well, I think it's essential for us to remember that one of the one of the most important determinants of when a person uh, gets out of prison uh, about you know whether they'll be likely to get back on their feet and avoid reoffending or whether they may reoffend and return to prison. One of the most important things that impacts that is if they're able to get a good quality job uh, coming out of prison. Oftentimes, uh, when folks are in prison, there are you know education or job training programs that can provide them useful skills. But once they get out. You know, it's not just having the skills. Once they get out, they need to find employment. And, you know, aside from the fact that there are obstacles that they may face with certain employers being wary of hiring individuals with a criminal record, um, there can also be barriers that are uh, imposed, uh, imposed by law. Um, and uh, one in particular is occupational licensing requirements. These are requirements that might either be you know, required by statute or you might have a state licensing board. That says if you want to be able to engage in any number of jobs from being a barber to a truck driver, cosmetologist, even in some states, some states being a a tree trimmer or a furniture upholsterer, you know, jobs that folks coming out of prison may have skills to perform. uh, You have to meet certain certain requirements. And far too often, these requirements uh, provide substantial challenges or obstacles for people who have criminal convictions because they might 
explicitly bar somebody who has a criminal conviction, or um, they may have requirements to talk about how you have to have uh, good character or good moral character mm-hmm. or something like that, which sometimes will be interpreted uh, to bar people who have a criminal conviction. And so, you know, it's really important for people when they're coming out of prison to be able to find a good quality job because that's essential to helping them reintegrate into society and avoid reoffending. But far too often, rather than making it easier, the law just makes it harder. Yeah, and I think that uh, those uh, those barriers can be really the difference maker of going back to the old neighborhood, the old habits, the old patterns, and really moving forward. And, and I'm glad you raised uh, within this occupational licensing uh, this whole idea of of having good character or a high you know character requirement for a particular job, uh, and I know personally uh, some people who have been incarcerated are coming out with a higher level of integrity than any CEO I've I've ever met, uh, <laughs> and so to base it solely on a criminal record as opposed to where are they today and where do they want to be tomorrow. Uh, is something we clearly have to have a different kind of discussion around. Precisely, right? We need to be looking at people as, as they are today, not how as they were, you know, 10 years ago or however long ago. Again, it may have been when they committed the crime, but we also need to be focusing on what we can do to help them get back on their feet. We need to be, you know, facilitating uh, helping them to find jobs rather than rather than making it harder. And that's something that we're, we're really focused on. At the Hatt Center, um, we are taking a, a broad look at criminal justice uh, reform. We'll actually be publishing a, a comprehensive report on the issue next month. And one of the things that we're really focused on is thinking about how we can uh, make it easier for folks as they're leaving prison and once they've done their time, once they've served their sentence, what we can do to make sure that when they get out, they get back on their feet, they you know become productive members of society and don't fall back into old habits. You know, reconnecting with family is essential to that, but. So is finding finding good employment, and you know we need to be smart how we're thinking about these about these issues. Yeah, and it's such an interesting thing. Uh, I know uh, part of your work is looking at things that happen at, at local levels and and uh, state mm-hmm. level versus the federal level, and how some of those things uh, again can get cross purposes really quickly uh, on all mm-hmm. of that. But uh, what is the path forward? What are some of the things that you're hoping to see, both uh, as your report comes out and in terms of legislation, either state or, or federal, uh, that can be helpful there? Well, it's been really encouraging at the state level. Uh, a number of states, uh, including Utah, have really in the past you know, probably five years or so realized that these occupational licensing requirements really are a problem for people coming out of prison. And so they've been, they've been reevaluating these laws, thinking about ways to make them uh, less of a barrier. Uh, you know, they've been getting rid of these you know, moral character requirements and instead saying that if somebody has a criminal conviction that you need to look at the conviction and there needs to be some connection between the conviction and the job that they're applying for if we're going to say that the conviction should bar them from having that job. One really interesting thing that Utah has done and other states have done as well is um, they've created a process where if somebody is interested in becoming licensed in a particular job, they can actually petition the licensing board and ask them, hey, if I you know, get the education and training to become a barber or a cosmetologist, will my criminal conviction prevent me from having that job so you don't end up spending you know, months or years and thousands of dollars to become qualified for a job only to find out that, uh, you know, that you can't get the license that you need for the job. So, you know, that's we're seeing a lot of states make progress there. Federal level as well, um, you know, most state most licensing happens at the state level, but there are some federal licenses as well. There's been efforts uh, about uh, there's been a bill introduced 
recently in Congress that would lift a prohibition on being a, a bank teller. Um, if you've had a criminal conviction within a certain number of years, this is a job that, you know, it's an entry-level job. It's a job that, you know, folks who've been in prison for a number of years, you know, might be something they could look at if they, right. you know, haven't finished college or don't have, you know, extensive, extensive work experience. So, so there is some action on the federal level as well, but it's really at the state level yeah. um, that, that we've been seeing success on this. And, you know, at the Hatch Foundation, we're, we're pleased that this is happening and we're really hopeful, you know, in our uh, forthcoming uh, report that we'll be publishing, taking a look at, you know, other things states can do in this field, uh, both with reentry, helping ensure that people, when they get out of prison, um, you know, that they are able to get back on their feet, that they are able to get um, good jobs. Also, you know, thinking about how, talking about how family connections and family relationships are important. That's another aspect of criminal justice reform that, that we really think needs to get more attention. So we're, we're excited to be able to, you know, bring some attention to this in our, in our coming report and encourage listeners, if they'd like to learn more, go to the Hass Foundation's website or on hassfoundation.org and they can see some of the exciting work that we're doing on this. Wonderful. Christopher, Bate, uh, Christopher Bates, uh, legal fellow at the Orange Hatch Foundation. This is a crucial conversation on criminal justice reform. We'll have you back to continue once uh, your report's out and as we follow this, making it better uh, for those who have served their time, who have made the corrections, who are ready to re-engage in society. We need them. They need us. This is another example of where community can come first. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.